2: I appreciate your enthusiasm. I, oh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I know why you're happy. Because uh, uh, the president, Donald Trump, is home. <laughs> from his trip to England and Ireland and France, they're now fumigating Europe. Uh, wow. But this week, you know, he went over there. Was the anniversary? a lot of anniversaries uh, this week. The 75th anniversary of D-Day. But also, this week, 100th anniversary of women getting the vote in America... Or, as Republicans call it, D-Day. <laughs> yes, it's
3: their D-Day.
2: Like, you gotta get right with the women's issue. Boy, boy, Joe Biden, you see that? Did a real flip-flop on the abortion thing, you know. Uh, the Hyde Amendment, which is like you, the federal government, will not pay for abortions. He was always for that. Now he's against that. Uh, Roe versus Wade, he said he was always for but he's Catholic, it's complicated. Joe's old school. Uh, he believes conception begins when a guy smells a woman's hair. <laughs> <laughs> also Mike Pence's birthday today he blew out the candles uh, and <laughs> Mayor Pete turned into a pillar of salt I don't know what <laughs> if there was groaning you should leave now because it's going to be a rough show for you people a very rough show but uh, no it's Pride Weekend here is it not uh, I know. Traffic was crazy. I think it's all over the country. It's certainly here in L.A. You know, uh, this is true. In Boston, a group of guys uh, got together and they want to have a straight pride parade. <laughs> it, this is coming from a group called Super Happy Fun America. <laughs> I cannot think of a gayer name. Than Super Happy Fun That's true. And But, you know, I always want to say to people like this, you know, gay pride is, you know, a response to being shamed. How can you really have a... Straight pride, because no one has ever shamed you. You know, it's like wanting a welcome home party when you've never left the couch. Uh, but, but I'm trying to put off talking about the story that depressed me all week more than any, which is Donald Trump overseas. England's royal family met America's royal fuck up, and. Um, <laughs> Trump continued the time-honored condition, tra- uh, tradition he has now started of embarrassing this country in every possible shape, form, and way possible. First, he, he drags his whole family over there. Did you see that? Th- they all... Even Tiffany. Uh, <laughs> really? Ivanka? <laughs> Eric, Don Jr.? I know it. We're all thinking the same thing. How did they ever get time off from their jobs? <laughs> <laughs> but he's—he's just—he's just such the ugliest American ever. He gets over there, he insults the mayor of London right away. Loser, you know. Uh, insults Princess Megan, says she's nasty, uh, and then the worst—he mistook the Queen for Stonehenge. That's. <laughs> Them too. (laughs) Fuck the royal family. I hate those fuckers. (laughs) What is this? They're assholes. What what is this? You know, you you have to bow, Your Highness. Another human being. I'm supposed to call Your Highness. Don't talk to her unless she talks to you first. Fuck all that. (laughs) You know, the only only reason I think they keep the royal family, it's good for tourism. I've been to Buckingham Palace. It's, it's not good. It doesn't look good, but it's like a zoo. People are like, oh, maybe they'll come out today. <laughs> and, and, but, look, the whole, the whole point of this trip to England and Europe was planned around the fact that yesterday was June 6th, 2019. This day will never come again. This is the 75th anniversary of D-Day, a real day that honors the sacrifice of the greatest generation. And all of Europe gathered yesterday to remember how armies of the free world came together to fight a common enemy. Bette Midler. And, uh, That's... That's right. While they were doing that, Trump was tweeting about, but a washed-up psycho. See, that's why Donald Trump is the new Churchill, because he opened up a second front in the war on Rosie O'Donnell. And it just... it sucks that on a day honoring America's best, we sent America's worst. And his knowledge (laughs) of history, (laughs) history and economics and science, all on great display at a moment like this, he said, while we honored the people of D-Day freeing Europe from Nazi control, it would have been much more easily handled by tariffs. (laughs) See, you didn't know if he really said that. That was a joke. But he could have said that. part of it. He could have said that. And the most galling thing of all is that his own service, or lack of, came up, and he spit on the graves uh, that he was walking through by saying that Vietnam, he said, I wasn't a fan. It was so far away, but I would have been honored, would have been honored, darn the luck, there weren't any wars going on at the time. In the 60s. Never mind. Anyway, um... <laughs> But in Trump's defense, he did see action in the trenches of Studio 54. (laughs) He was the guy in charge of defending the VIP room from the bridge and tunnel crap. Anyway, we've got a great show. Katie Porter, Charles Blow, and Clint Watts are here. And a little later, we'll be speaking with author Brett Easton Ellis. But first up, he is a 2020 Democratic presidential candidate and author of The War on Normal People, The Truth About America's Disappearing Jobs, and Why Universal Basic Income is Our Future. That's all the time we have, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Andrew Yang, ladies and gentlemen. Andrew. I haven't read your book, but I read the title. I think I get it all now. No. Uh, Okay, so I'm going to ask you the same question I've asked many of the contenders who've been on our show, 23 of them. I'm going to run. It'll be 23 and me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But you have some votes. 23 people
4: are running. Why you? I'm running for president because I'm focused on solving the problem that got Donald Trump elected in the first place in 2016. He's our president because we automated away four million manufacturing jobs in Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, all the swing states that he needed to win. And my friends in technology know we're about to do the same thing to millions of retail jobs, call center jobs, fast food jobs, truck driving jobs, and on and on. We have to wake America up to the fact that it is not immigrants that are causing these problems. It's not immigrants, am I right? It's, it's technology and the the advancing economy. You don't have that hard to get them to applaud. You're just, uh, and so we need to solve these problems for the American right. people, and that's how we beat Trump in 2020. And that's how we move the country forward.
2: You're, yeah, you got your lane. You got an issue that I think nobody else has, which is they're coming for your, your jobs. And w- what jobs are we talking about? I know you talk about in your book jobs that involve a routine, right? Something that is repetitive. Those are the jobs that can be replaced by machines and automation and artificial intelligence. Yes. What areas are we talking about?
4: 44% of American jobs fall into either repetitive manual work or repetitive cognitive work. So we're talking about retail jobs, call center jobs fast-food jobs. Retail? Uh, well, retail, 30% of American malls are closing in the next four years because Amazon's sucking up $20 billion in commerce every year. Oh. And you don't think of that as an automation thing because the right. robot's not coming in and doing the That's the I job. still
2: think of retailers go to the mall and how could a machine, if I asked, do I look cute in this? You know... <laughs> 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 Does this make me look fat? No, but, you're, yeah, people don't care about that anymore. They buy everything online. Yeah.
4: yeah, and if you go to the Amazon Fulfillment Center, it's wall-to-wall robots, so that's why uh, retail is also being automated away.
2: Okay, so that's part of your plan. Then the, th- the thing that's in your book, uh, UBI, which <laughs> sounds like a bowel disease. I, I didn't think. name it.
4: I know, but every time I hear UBI, I think, ugh... <laughs> Well, it's one reason why we've re- <laughs> re- rebranded it the Freedom Dividend. Okay. Uh, and it's a plan where much everyone gets $1,000 a month. Everybody funding. gets it. Th- everybody, everybody. Rich, <laughs> poor. Yes. You too. You need it. I know. Now I got my
2: eye on these Tom Ford cufflinks. Because <laughs> I saw they were 12 grand. It was too rich for my blood. But if I get that bonus, I'm going to go. No, um, OK, so everybody get and I I understand that. How much would that cost in total for a year in this country?
4: Well, the headline cost uh, gets a lot lower than people think because a lot of this money is just going to go back right into the economy. It's the trickle-up economy. Right, it's gonna...
2: poor people spend
3: it.
4: Yes. <laughs> if I gave you 1000 bucks a month, you might not even notice. Uh, but if you put $1,000 a month in the average American consumer's hands, it's going to get spent right in their Main Street businesses. It's going to create 2 million new jobs because that money is just going to go to tutoring and car repairs and the occasional night out. It's going to circulate Okay, openly. but how much Again? right off the bat does we have to spend to do this? So the headline cost is around one and a half trillion. That's a lot. A year? A year. Wow, yeah, that's
2: real money. But we just gave away a trillion in a tax cut to people who will never see it. Yes. uh, And defense, you could take a trillion out. They wouldn't wouldn't notice it either.
4: Well, the way we get the money is, if you look around, how much did Amazon pay in federal taxes last year? None. Zero. So think about a trillion-dollar tech company paying zero in in taxes. (laughs) That's right. So if, that's right. They must be making it hand over fist. So we have to create a mechanism where the American public actually benefits from artificial intelligence and all these new automations. Right. So if we had even a mild value-added tax and gave the American public a tiny slice of every Amazon sale, every Google search, every Facebook ad, every robot truck mile, it would generate over $800 billion in new revenue, which would be enough to pay for the vast majority of this dividend of $1,000. Okay, but...
2: To me, this is only part of the problem. You're saying people are going to be thrown out of work. Yeah. Call it a tsunami of unemployment. I think you're right uh, because of automation, robots, and so forth. So now we're making sure they don't starve. We give them money. But what do they do all day? It's not just money. People have to have a purpose in life, you have to have a reason to get up in the morning. (laughs) I <laughs> had no idea that was such a controversial. Well, uh, point. people need a reason to get up. Yes, Bill, finally someone has said it. Uh, yeah, well,
4: I'm Asian, so you know I like to work.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but but you're Ooh, they're right owing you, on. and you did it on yourself. Uh, I, that's that's, <laughs> that's very politically correct.
4: Uh, Americans need structure, purpose, fulfillment, all the things that jobs provide. But the biggest misconception about the freedom dividend is that it's somehow going to. Uh, reduce work. It's actually going to create 2 million new jobs. It's going to recognize the kind of work that new my job. wife does. Yeah, because of the economic growth in the economy, just having more buying power.
2: Okay, so what jobs are we getting now that we're... No,
4: so, so those jobs, happily, will keep some of the Main Street stores open that would otherwise close, but it would also start to recognize the kind of work that my wife does. My wife's at home with our two boys, one of whom is autistic, and right now the market values her work at zero. It values all caregiving as, at essentially zero. And so by having this dividend in place, not only do we create new jobs we also start recognizing and rewarding the work that's already going on in our families and communities we can actually expand what we think of as work okay so um
2: one thing i like about when i listen to you is that you are asking a question i've asked many many times on this show which is why in so much of this country is a d next to a politician's name so toxic so toxic that no matter who they're running against... I mean, Roy Moore squeaked a victory out. A child molester. That muchy. He lost by. Why is the D so toxic? And, and you talk about this, too.
4: I've been shocked, Bill, when I go around the country, how working-class Americans feel like the Democratic Party... Uh, does not care about people like them, is not talking to them. And when I was growing up, the Democratic Party was the party of the working class, the little guy or gal. We need to get back to that. I can't tell you how much credit Donald Trump got just for calling out the pain that many of these communities are in. And so if the Democratic Party stops condescending and says, look, we're here to actually work on solving your problems, we can go very, very far with many of the people who voted for Donald Trump.
2: Is this because of identity politics?
4: Well, so I'm the son of immigrants. I understand the impulse behind identity politics. But Democrats have to know that identity politics is a very poor way to approach winning national elections. And it's a very poor way to bring our country together. We have to enact solutions that will help all Americans. And when Martin Luther King championed a guaranteed minimum income in the 60s, which is almost exactly like my freedom dividend, he didn't do do it for any subset of Americans. He did it for all Americans. And that's, again, how we move the country forward.
2: Thank you. Good luck with your
4: campaign. I'm glad you're in it. You're doing good. All right.
2: Andrew Yang, let's meet our panel. Hey, Clint. How you doing, Charles? How are you? Okay. He is an MSNBC national security analyst, senior fellow at the Foreign Policy Research Institute, and author of Messing with the Enemy, now in paperback, Clint Watts. Clint, how you doing? All right. He's a New York Times columnist and author of Fire Shut Up In My Bones, Charles Blow, right over here, Charles. And she's a first-term Democratic congresswoman representing California's 45th District, Katie Porter. Katie, how are Okay. <laughs> So I have this happened about a half hour before we came on the air. I'll just read it. We don't have to talk about it a long time. I don't think it's a real big story, but it was last week that Trump was going to put tariffs on Mexico unless they solved the immigration problem for us. Now he says a half hour ago, I am pleased to inform you the U.S. has reached an agreement with Mexico. (laughs) The tariffs are scheduled to be uh, to be implemented. Are hereby, because he's a king. (laughs) Hereby, the scroll indefinitely suspended. It sounds like. He just, you know, gave up because they talked him out of it. He had a brain fart last week, and now it's all over. Um, I guess my first question is this. Uh, Speaking of negotiations, um, reported last week Kim Jong-un had his entire negotiating team killed. What if Trump killed his negotiating team? What if he... What if he killed Mike Pompeo and John Bolton? What would Mitch McConnell say or do? (laughs)
1: Is a a real question? <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, it is.
1: Ever, Mitch McConnell doesn't I mean, ever say or do anything. What would Lindsey Graham
3: would What would Sean Hannity say? Would it spring us into some sort of stability where I'm, everything was calm? I don't know. Or, uh, I'm just it, asking. Would it make things worse? I, I don't know. I'm just asking. All
2: right. <laughs> Let's move on to D-Day um, because uh, this I take a little personally. I try not to start shows with, oh, Trump socks because you could do it every week. But this week, I'm sorry, Trump sucks, um, because I am the son of of two veterans who were both in the European campaign, a soldier and an army nurse. So when I see this... Thank you. When I see this powdered clown over there, it makes me angry. And, you know, presidents are always, to a degree, I think, reflections of people who vote for them. It, do you agree with me it is unimaginable that the people of 1940 would have elected a man like Donald Trump?
0: It's unimaginable that the people 10 years ago would have elected... 10 Trump. years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. And, but, but I think that we, we make a mistake when we look at Donald Trump and say, I can't believe, and what are his, his supporters thinking, because we put so much, we center the, his, support, his base to a degree that is not healthy for the rest of us who are sane and looking at this through yeah. the normal prism of morality and character. Because they are not. Right. As I've said before, they treat Donald Trump as folk hero. The folk hero does not have to play by the same rules of morality that the rest of us do. The folk hero is allowed to do things that you wouldn't allow in your own home. Right. You wouldn't allow with you between yep. you and your boss. Mm-hmm. They know he's lying, but they don't allow their sons and daughters to lie to them, and they don't go to work and lie to their bosses. But because he has transcended in their minds to that level, the only sin that the folk hero can, can commit is to, is to betray the folk. Right. But and they he, know
3: it's wrong. But they know it's wrong. I wonder a, if a week like this changes anything, you, or is it just more? A, you had a president go sit on the beach with the crosses, <laughs> star David, in the background, and he criticized Director Mueller, a, Marine Viet, a Vietnam yeah. Marine, a veteran, a FBI director for 12 years, nominated by Republicans, stayed for a Democrat... He would not show up on that battlefield. He wouldn't show up on that beach. He found a way not to be there. Oh, and he yes. called Mueller a fool. Well, I think is, his base knows. I think his base course, knows that that's the wrong but answer. But they don't,
0: they, they don't, it doesn't bother
3: them. It well, does do bother him. Do do? No, it doesn't.
0: Well, they, if, if it
2: bothered them, they wouldn't, they well, wouldn't be voting for it, him it, in, the same, is, in the same levels. It is slowly going down, his yes. approval.
5: Wait, the wait,
2: polls are going what, down. Are what going polls down. of his? Uh, yeah, uh, polls of his against Biden. He's losing. Right, right. He's so, losing Texas right, in the line, by four in, points.
0: In, 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 the ma- in the matchups, the Democrats are doing well against him. His personal approval rating, particularly among Republicans, is as rock
2: solid as the day he no, was. Actually, he, no, actually, it went from, no. evangelicals went down to fifty-five percent. That, <laughs> but that, but that was is like, one big part of his base. Right, but I'm talking about. People who identify as Republican.
0: That's a right, right, but I'm saying that of that group, now you're still above 80%. Who
2: support Trump? That's a lot, but it is.
0: It is That's a lot. It's, okay. A, it's enormous. I, of it.
2: I, I, okay. All right. I'm not. <laughs> but I was the one who said he was going to win the first time. What are you talking about? I, I'm. I get it. He's a.
1: He's a monster. Yeah. I, I was just. Gonna, I was just going to say that I don't think one of the refreshing things about President Trump is it's so hard to find anything nice that we can say. But I think the refreshing thing about him is he's very consistently on brand. So this is somebody who went to the Boy Scouts and managed to make Boy Scouts un-American. Yeah. He goes to D-Day, and yeah. when he chokes yeah. and dies, it's going to be on apple pie. Right. Because this is somebody who literally <laughs> encounters every American institution <laughs> and manages it. That's good. To, to screw right. up yeah. his relationship. I mean, Fuzzy Kitten? Right. Like, that's that's going down. <laughs> okay. Like, everything he comes into contact <laughs> <Okay>. with. <laughs> oh,
2: I didn't know you'd be funny like that. That's good. Okay, so... Um, there's a poll that came out this week. Pew, the Pew people, they do very good polls. I, I must say, I was. <laughs> they got some gallop. Yeah. Where, where were you on that joke that I fucked up in the monologue? <laughs> we, um, need to, we need to keep him in the house all the time. The Pew people came out with this poll. I could The fo- percentage who say that the following issue is a big problem. This is the big problem poll. I, I would never have guessed this. Number one, by a large margin, drug addiction. Drug addiction, more than. Uh, health care by a little, health care was second, but uh, more than violent crime, climate change, racism, terrorism, sexism, immigration. Wow. I must live in a little bit of a bubble here. But th- part and of I'm that- supposed to be the drug Yeah,
3: eat? part of that <laughs> b- 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 poll that's fascinating, though, is it's the two Americas. That's the only thing that everyone agreed on. Drug right. addiction and college right. affordability. If you look at everything else in that poll, complete disagreement, 80-20. Democrats and and liberals believe this. Uh, Republicans, conservatives believe this. Which means we've got two different Americas right now. It's very hard to do any policy as we see, but that's reflected in our public opinion. And what do you you think this is because of? I I think 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 it's it's less
0: less right-left, and I I think people are not completely grasping how big of a problem drug addiction is among white people in the country. Still 70-plus percent of the population, and it is ravaging. Right. Parts of, of, of that of that population, and ironically, you know, I, uh, you know, racism played a, a, a backward role here, right? So, all study after study after study kept finding that doctors would not prescribe the strongest drugs to black people. Minority, <laughs> minority people. That's... All, it. Even for fractures of, of leg fractures, uh, uh, things that they knew was causing pain, and they would under-prescribe, and they wouldn't prescribe them the most, the, the, the heavy drugs and wow. would over-prescribe it to white people. And now,
1: ha, 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 <laughs> uh, <laughs> racism doesn't always play up. Yeah, no, I, I that's, I no, didn't but, know that. That's a... it. I just that's... think, for me, a lot of this is the polling is a lagging indicator. Right, so in Congress I've often said if we had a motto and I, I really hope we don't get one. But if we have a motto, <laughs> it would be something like trying to solve tomorrow, <laughs> yesterday's problems, tomorrow maybe. <laughs> so it's that we we're thinking about, well, gee, you know, in, in 2005, 2002, opioid prescriptions were a real problem. Yeah. But now I've woken up to this, because I read some book, I saw it finally, <laughs> like, there's just a lag. So the real problems that are coming that we need to be solving now so that we don't have them, Are not even listed in that poll as choices. Right.
2: Well, here's something interesting also where Democrats do better. I think this is interesting. This is the trust part of it. Um, Education, they kill Republicans. 52% trust Democrats, 24% trust Republicans. Healthcare, 47 to 33. Environment, 52 to 24. They're crushing on this issue. Well, don't you think that's because
1: we're just not trying to take all those things away?
2: Right. (laughs) You mean like air and health? Education, air, clean water, health care. But that's what... I'm getting the one that they think you are trying to take away, guns. That's about even. 40%... we're trying to take
1: away dead people.
2: No, I understand. I understand. Okay.
1: I understand that. But
2: I'm just telling you, as a winner issue... 40% Forty percent trust Democrats. Forty-one percent trust Republicans on gun policy. Um, it's a distinction a lot of people don't see. Trump was asked the other day by Piers Morgan when he was in London about guns. Piers Morgan is a terrible ass kisser for Trump, but he actually challenged him on this. He's anti-gun, and he said, "You know, wh- why do people need guns?" And Trump said, "A lot of them use it for entertainment. They go out and shoot." And Trump, Piers Morgan went, Enter- "You find that entertaining? I don't either." I don't like guns, have some, don't like them, have it for an emergency, like an antibiotic, don't like them, I don't, <laughs> I don't polish my amoxicillin, I just have it. <laughs> okay. But some people do. Lots of people do. And their view is, yes, there is a violence problem with guns, but I, not me. And you're going after me. And I'm just saying, some of the solutions, all of the solutions... I don't know if it would solve the gun problem. And to die on this hill and lose an election, because we've lost elections before on this issue, which is not a winning issue for Democrats. Just so, keep but, that in but, mind. But, but
0: what, is, what is the option? Not to, no, no, not,
2: no. not to make it a central part of the campaign? No, but just, first of all, the liberals should learn more about guns. But, I don't know much about guns, because, again, I don't care. I don't but, like them. But I hear this from gun people. They're fun. They're, <laughs> they're, they I don't find them. them fun, but they do find them fun. But Cory Booker was on with Jake Tapper, mm-hmm. and Jake Tapper asked him a couple of times... How, what in your plan would have stopped the massacre that we had last week at Virginia Beach? And Cory Booker took a very long time to not be able to answer but, that But question. can I just say this? It would no. not,
0: because it was a very Journalists have to stop asking that horrible question. That's a horrible question, because, because what we're doing is picking out one incident out of 30,000 deaths per year and saying, "How could you solve this one thing?" That is not the no, objective no, of gun no, no. control. The it objective just... of gun control is to reduce capacity to kill yes. people who should not be killed. Yes. And once you tr- reframe it that way, maybe one. the, the one. proposal I have today will not solve that problem, but it cuts into this massive number of people one. that we're losing to gun violence.
2: That is yes. the
5: question is you should have to ask. You ah! ask. Are
2: you, but you're seriously saying
5: you shouldn't be able
2: to... You shouldn't be able to answer the question as a politician? How will your plan specifically stop this but problem? But the, it, the framing of the question is wrong. I'm saying that what the, what, what the
0: politicians should say if somebody asked them that wrong question is to say, let me say, I don't know what might have... would have prevented this person. Mm-hmm. And I don't know all the issues involved in that. But what I know is that what the science tells us about access... And capacity to kill. Yes, if well, we do certain things, we will reduce you, the number somewhat.
2: of people. That, right? Well, well, Not,
0: somewhat. D- is y- you don't.
2: You really don't think it's, it's that somewhat simple? Is, to... It's complicated. You, if you did everything that the Democrats wanted, right. and I support all right. of that. Uh, I still think you would have this problem because it's much more complicated than just you may the have some mass or the type of You guns. may have
1: some mass it's not you're
2: going to be disappointed if you think just doing you... what they want gun wise is going to solve no, the problem. No, but you're not.
1: You're not going to get rid of. You can't all... solve the
2: lunatic problem. You're not, not going to get we'll rid of all, all gun violence. Gun violence.
1: Or, again, but, right. but that's not that's not the that's not the promise. The promise here is to reduce preventable reduce. gun deaths. Just saying, reduce. I want to win. I want to win this Death election, and I want to
2: fight it on the issues we're going to win.
1: I won my election, okay. standing up for gun violence in right. Orange County. Well, so, I, I'm, a, I'm a Cub Scout leader for crying out loud! I let my—I let a grown-up give my six-year-old a BB gun, and I cowered for my life, like. There is a way for people to use guns appropriately, yes. and there are ways to have sensible right. gun violence prevention. Nobody's going to come take your gun. Yeah, Maybe I, they should. Worried. I don't know you well enough. I Why should they take for the my first gun? Time. But my point is, See, is that's that what scares people. Say <laughs> like things like that. Gun violence prevention is the right thing to do, and. I will yeah. trade off winning an election personal. for saving a life any what, day.
2: Not what we're debating. But, but no one's against that here. Straw Man a, isn't here.
3: There's a lot of ground that can be gained with personal responsibility. This is an issue that conservatives will go for. Who was trained on that weapon? How were they trained? Uh, what are the safety mechanisms in the home? And I'm a big fan of gun owner inter- insurance. We, we let people have a car? no. Not unless they have insurance. We'll let them have a gun. Do you got insurance if you have training? Nope. You just take it and you walk out the door. Responsible gun owners will go for that. I think that's no, a bi- No, they
0: won't, because to have it, you have to have registration.
3: Uh, you, and and,
0: and the, gun hey. lobby, the gun lobby has vociferously resisted any efforts to register guns because they say if the government knows what the guns are, make it makes it easy for the government to come get them. I'm saying that we have to go with that, at this conversation head-on, not ducking and diving, not saying we're going to solve every shooting, but we have to say... This, this, there's a real way to attack this, to reduce the numbers. Yeah. Reduce the numbers. If I save 10, 20, 100 lives, I think that's valuable to do and that person not get mowed down on the lawn or in the school or in, or in, a, in a theater. No argument.
2: All right, <laughs> let's bring out Brett. He is the author of American Psycho and Less Than Zero, who now hosts the Brett Easton Ellis podcast and just published his first work of nonfiction, White. Please welcome Brett Easton Ellis. <laughs> How are you? Good to see you. You know the panel, I'm sure. It's pleasure to meet you. I've been a fan of yours for quite some time. Oh, thank you. Because uh, I do read. Yes. I have guns and I do read. You can do both. And, you know, you were always kind of the bad boy of uh, literature. I was. And I always liked cold. that about you. Yep. I like bad boys and I like people who. <laughs> um, push, push the envelope. So, uh, I, yes. what I what I wanted to ask you about the new book. You, I've mm-hmm. always known you as a novelist, right? And now you come out with a book that is nonfiction, and it's sort of the inverse. I remember, remember Tom Wolfe, Bonfire, The Vanities, of course, of and course. that he was always a nonfiction guy. Yes. And it's like he came out with this great novel. And yes. Like, why did? And I want to ask you kind of that question in reverse. Why couldn't you say about the subject matter you're addressing in this book, which is political correctness mm-hmm. and social media and groupthink right. and that kind of stuff. Why, why couldn't you address that anymore
5: in fiction? Why did you go for nonfiction? Well, because I thought there was too much fiction out there in the world anyway. You and can't, can't out-fiction. You really can't. And so um, I wanted to write a book, and I think White is this book, about the trajectory of Gen X and how we were born in the 60s we uh came of age in the 70s in a time that was uh very free of parental guidance uh we were on our own uh the world wasn't made for children then and so i think that aided in our independence we had an immense amount of freedom and then moving in through the uh the 80s and then moving from the analog world into the digital world and then ending up in the summer of 2018 thinking where in the fuck are we what happened <laughs> You know, all of these freedoms, freedom of expression that we were allowed in the 70s and the 80s and to a degree in the 90s. And suddenly we were st- stuck there in the summer of 2018 uh, politically and culturally going, what the fuck happened? How did this happen to us? And that's really what the book is about. It's about the trajectory well, you, of well, a generation. Well, how did that happen? You talk a lot <clears throat> about the culture of victimhood. How, why did we become a victim culture? Look, I think a lot of what happens... Uh, happens because one generation reacts against another. And when we talk about social justice warriors or uh, uh, or victimhood, um, we're talking about a generation that is reacting against Generation X, which was very cool, very aloof, very indifferent to things, wasn't so overly emotional. Was that uh, you, Gen X? I think Yeah, no, I was Gen X in one of right. the fir- <clears throat> those first years, depending on what chart you see. And I think the nihilism of Gen X was what millennials are reacting to or reacting What's against. What's the problem with social justice warriors? Oh, no, I'm not saying there's a problem. Uh, I, I, believe me, I, I, I think resistance is great. I think. Well, sometimes profit. they go too far. I'll there's answer overreach. that question. There's yeah. overreach. Yeah. There's so- no
2: overreach amongst... I mean, you criticized the movie... or not But you said Black Panther on Twitter. Yes. You said you didn't think it deserved a best Oscar nod. I don't either. I don't like any comic book movies they're not great movies mm-hmm. no. that one either but if you say that somehow that's somehow a hate crime right you're racist and i also
5: the things that i love there
0: no <laughs> but the, can, can we go through the whole list of all the, the movies that got a best oscar nod that never should have ever deserved
2: to that's, get it yeah, true so, i mean it, what it, is yeah. that what does that <laughs> mean but that's, yeah, that, yes you can but, but why is that relevant to this? But I'm telling you, I mean,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm still on this social justice warrior why that came up in the negative context. I mean, am I wrong about I, I hearing well, that? I think,
5: it, I think it goes back to overreach because I did a podcast that was about two and a half hours long, and for about two minutes, I talked about how in the town there was this perception of Black Panther as being overly representative of something in terms of the Oscars, and uh, that people were talking about that. Um, and then I talked about how much I thought it was a subpar Marvel movie, but I also talked about how much I like those opening images of Wakanda. We had never seen anything like that before. No one talks about that. They just talk about, you know, the they, racist douche they, who d- dissed a they, subpar Marvel movie, and that that's part of the problem hey, with social justice wars. Here's warriors. what's wrong with social justice wars. They're it. not
2: interested in justice. They're interested in clicks. They're interested in getting clicks. Yeah. Oh, please. You don't think so? Well, I, I think that you're, you're being... Completely overly
0: broad about because the people that I know who do that work. So, are not the people who are interested in click and you've uh, never heard their names because okay. they're not trying to be oh, on I've television never. and they're not trying to be in the spotlight and they're, doing, they're going to courthouses every day. Okay, to, but then we're which, not talking which, about them uh, and no, you know no, that. No, I'm, but what, you can't say social talking, justice warriors. Well, who are you talking about? Okay, if we're talking about that, we agree. G- give a name. I don't, I don't know who you're talking about because the people okay. that I know right. are not doing what I'm you're not, saying. I'm
2: going to read something because, you know... Go I'm, for I'm not, it. <laughs> thank you. It's your show. It's all of our shows right now. <laughs> when we're out here, it's all of our shows. Okay. Now, again, I don't know everything about this because I'm not an expert at social media, but I'm friends with Barry Weiss, right? Okay, so I'm reading her profile in Vanity Fair. I thought this said a lot. A woman who I think is also a writer, her name is Gabriella Cameron, criticized Barry for something Barry said. And I don't think Barry is really that out there? No. But, oh, the social justice warriors hate and attack her. I'm talking about the ones on Twitter, not your friends in the courtroom. Okay. (laughs) Here's what this woman said to Barry, what? Tweeted, do feminism and the entire profession of journalism a favor and stop writing. Stop writing in caps. Okay, I first would like to point out, that's not a criticism. (laughs) Stop writing? That's the best you can do? All right. Then she and Barry meet at a conference. They get to know each other. They're They're friends now. She tweets, I was partially motivated, talking about her former tweet, I was partially motivated by the desire for likes and retweets, wanting to cultivate a brand on Twitter. It was at Barry's expense, knowing that she, like me, is a complex person. Well, Barry's a complex person. I don't know about this. But the problem you make is you uh, put that person in the category of social justice warriors, and that's not
0: what that is. The, the social justice warrior is the person I who shows up. I think there's a bit
2: of an overlap. No,
0: I think that you're, you're, you're conflating the two, and there's no overlap. That, that, that okay. the people who do the work okay. are the warriors. Those okay. are the real warriors. Well, that's... Lots
2: of other people would ascribe that name to
0: yeah, themselves. So there you know, they're, they're disguising themselves you know,
5: yeah. and taking a name. But, but I, I, think, we're, I think we're... Social justice war it is that. But I think there has been an ironic use of the term social justice warrior. And I think it's used ironically when there is a social justice war that does overreach and starts doing things like that. What you're talking about is completely authentic and cool, but th- this stuff that goes on on Twitter, which is, of course, all toxic and all... Of crap is a different kind of social it's justice. It's, it's a populism. fake. It's a fake it, social justice. It's people word. just clickbait. trying, yes.
3: trying to well, build the reputation to be part of a social media nation so that involved. may or may not even be real. And. It's also dividing us apart. Social media is not designed to bring right. us together. It's to bring us to it's together. It's not just Twitter. So it's actual, actual legitimate... Silo- s- yes, yes. Legitimate Internet sites do this, right. too. And it's, you know. it's a, an imagined preference. Oh, if I support this, then I am part of this. Whether I actually show up in the streets or not, that's a different story. So okay. it creates this confusion about what activism is, what's real activism, versus, oh, All right. yeah, I'll I'm, click on this, I'll tweet this, I'll, I, I, I'll send one dollar. I'm $1. very
2: curious to get your reaction to this. Draymond Green, among others, he's, he's uh, on the Warriors, playing in the championship, awesome player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that owners of sports team we should stop saying the word owner. You shouldn't say owner talking about the owner of a sports team. Just because someone was taught that 100 years ago doesn't make that right today, and so when you look at the word owner, it really dates back to slavery. But people own things. (laughs) And Um. it's not always the way slave owners own things. What word should we use for owning
0: something. It's the switch,
3: I, right? So, this what? is
2: what I mean about the... Well,
0: no, but, but uh, no? You, you have to you simply have to, just simply never have gonna to get the calling yeah, those people who do something like that thats what we're doing a social justice warrior because they're real people who are, okay. who, are, who are literally committing their lives to that work, and they have to be respected for having done that. Yes. And if we can't do that no. here, then nobody's going to do that. But, so, you but, but, just can't... We cannot lump these random situations into that
2: kind
5: of category. But there oh, well, all, is an entertainment social justice war, and I think that's what we're talking about. It's all
2: conversation involves some lumping. We yeah. can't individually okay, interview that, that, every single person. That's first. fine. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> um,
3: but isn't let's, it let's, interesting... Let's lighten the mood and move on. Bill, to isn't it interesting, though, from that quote? <laughs> What's I'm sorry. Go ahead. 20 years ago, it would have been uh, conservatives trying to tell me what I could not say, and now... Right. It's oftentimes yes, the right. extreme liberal and, end on social media right. telling me what I can't exactly. say. And, and I, I probably have no idea who they are. I but... don't
2: know if you feel this way, but I, f- I found that what's so exhausting about this is the lack of trust. You know, when we're just with our own friends in a place that's not public, we're funny, yeah. we're politically incorrect. Yeah. We all do it. <laughs> yeah. And then in public, and public now means on Twitter or social media, Facebook, I always say that's like our avatar. It looks like us, sounds like us, but it's this whole other person who talks like a robot. And can't you just trust me after all these years that I'm not on the wrong side of these issues? And it's like, no, we can't, because we're just trying to get you your scalp and clicks. Okay. Funny subject, abortion. Um, (laughs) Joe Biden... Wait, this is big. Joe Biden switched cams here. He has been for the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment... Can you explain that? What? You're in Congress. Yes. The Hyde Amendment was a
1: law passed in 1976 when I was two years old that has not been changed since that prohibits federal funds to be used to provide women with reproductive health care, such as abortion. So no
2: federal funds to abortion. So Joe Biden's position was, I'm a Catholic, but look, I get it. Women want abortions. I'm pro-choice, but don't take my Catholic money and do it. You know, that's where he kind of, like, straddled, and now he says look, I can't do this anymore because I'm not going to get the nomination. I mean, I'm saying, I think that's why. Right. <laughs> he's saying, "No, know what, I'm not for the Hyde Amendment anymore. My, my question is, when Joe Biden does this, now he's moving to the left because he does want the nomination, which is probably going to be controlled on the left. Is he going to lose those centrist Democrats who are the ones who have him at the top of the poll and are his
1: base? Look, I, this is just an issue of right and wrong. I'm the only person sitting at this table... Who has ever had to face these kinds of healthcare decisions? And Joe Biden is is simply trying. Biden's trying to make a political decision here, and failing still to recognize that this is a personal decision. And even when he talked about it, even when he talked about it, he couldn't quite get the word out. It was right. like health care for women that might involve, you know, some pieces of you that are sort of... It's like women cannot have social and economic (coughs) equality without the right right to control their bodies, without bodily autonomy, period, full stop. And the fact that Biden... The, The fact that, I mean... Look, I was a professor. Better late than never for the student who gets it on the last day of class. But (laughs) literally, if this is for him a reckoning that's coming out of political motivation rather than out of understanding what it means to be, oh, I don't know, half of the world's population, then then that's a real problem. Well, well, come on. There there are many...
2: There are are many women who are pro-choice. I mean, pro-life. I think that was not. I think that was a. No, no, no. There are many women who are pro-life. It's true. I mean, look. I am pro-choice, but I mean, I'm a little squishy and always have been because they told my mother after my sister' very difficult birth she shouldn't have another one. So, knowing that I could have been on the cutting room floor, I'm. (laughs) (laughs) What? Why is that so terrible? but I
1: get it. As long but as it's look, still in your, you, you. Your mom made her choice. Yes. And we're all here yeah, with just... the consequences of that choice. <laughs> I just want to say,
2: Mrs. first of all, <laughs> fuck you. You can go watch another show. We got, we got a lot on the lot here. If I'm not doing it I for you. I just want to
1: say... No, God yeah, I'm bless asking the hard question. God, God, God bless her for having you. Yeah. I'm sure it wasn't easy. <laughs> I'm a mom with three kids. It ain't easy. But the point is, well, she and your father, and she made her choice.
2: Yeah, again, I'm not arguing what you're pretending I'm arguing for, all of you on this panel.
1: <laughs> and you assholes. who. <laughs> They so, us send me things, so I don't think he should be blamed for
3: He's it. not. I'm talking to you, <laughs> too. Totally innocent. That's why I stayed out of the frame over here. Uh,
2: what was the question? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> you weren't sitting i Oh, yes. I'm,
5: asking, I'm just fight.
2: asking the political side of this. Right. Is he going to lose the no. people? No.
3: no. So you think no. he can
2: keep them both? You think he... Well, yeah,
3: I've, Trump is so polarizing. No one right. in the middle of the Democratic Party is going to budget all based on that. But I, I think okay. it's reflective of younger Democrats, right? We have, we have new people that are in play right now. And what do we have as the main contenders? Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump, yeah. Joe Biden. It's, the, it's cocoon, too, right? It's a, <laughs> it's a sequel, right? The whole time i watched it, I'm like, are they, if they have a debate, right. or will they make it to the end of the debate, right? The, right? The, like, it's really
2: again, delayed. All, all you enlightened people, but the last people that you could be prejudiced against and make
3: jokes like well, that, old people. I'm not, but It's I just mean, so funny that you can do we're that. We're talking about social media, right? We're right. talking right. about climate change. We're talking about all these issues right now, and we have people that have a record yeah, yeah. that goes back 30, 40 years. I'm just saying it's a prejudice not, it that you're allowed to
2: indulge in.
0: Yes. And, and, and the, think, I'm the only one. And I think we should also recognize that this push is not necessarily a far-left push, but it is a push in the right direction for equality. Mm-hmm. Because, what, because yeah. Hyde himself, when, when this amendment was, was passed, said, I would love to do it for rich women, for working-class women, but the only place that I can really do it is on Medicaid. Right? They knew that this was about poor women. They knew that this was about most... Particularly on Medicaid, and that most of those women are not white women that this was black women, brown women who were poor, and that they were cutting off the access for those women because those are the ones that they could cut it off for. The Hyde Amendment has always stood out as this really horrible thing that Democrats continue to support even though they knew who it was affecting. And I'm saying about damn time.
2: Okay. I got two minutes to ask about... Impeachment, Nancy Pelosi said this week, I don't know if she meant for this to get out, but I think she kind of did. Uh, she said it behind closed doors, but it was out pretty quickly. She said about Trump, I don't want to see him impeached, I want to see him in prison. Uh, and many people have asked... <clears throat> many people have asked, you know, can't you do both, or how could you do one without the other? Um, it seems to me that the movement to impeach hinges on... Um, okay, if we hear the testimony, it'll be different than just the Mueller report, which people didn't really read. But it's been around a long time, the Mueller report, and the findings in it. The Mueller report wasn't new. Will that take place, or will people just shrug again? I think he's a criminal and a traitor, but what do you think? Where are you on impeachment? So,
1: where I'm on on impeachment is, um, I will do my duty to this country, I ran to do my duty to this country, mm-hmm. um, but I also ran to do my duty to this country on a whole host of issues. So, yes, we have a president who has obstructed justice. That's what the Mueller report tells us. There's substantial evidence that he has obstructed justice. He is defying subpoenas. He is instructing others to defy subpoenas. He's refusing to provide his tax returns. We know these facts. The right. question is, how do we move forward to hold him accountable? And I I'm think- just
2: saying, people already know these, and a lot of the country shrugged at them. Will it change if we... I mean, I'm for it, but I just want to know if that's going to really pan out. Yeah,
3: so part of an impeachment inquiry, if you look back into the Nixon era, was to educate the public about it. In our filtered world right now, where we're in two Americas, a lot one part of America doesn't really know what's in the Mueller. But the Nixon, report.
2: Nixon didn't have a Mueller report that right. it for two years. They were all
3: hearing it for the first time as the hearings went on. Sure, but I think the other part of it is, do we want checks and balances in this country or not? Of course. If we, if the standard is now we don't pursue anything that comes in terms of obstruction, we're basically saying the president can do whatever he wants to win, and as long as he wins, he's free. The role of the president, and once they're in office. They can do pretty much whatever they want to obstruct, and they're free. So if Congress doesn't want to actually keep their own power, then they will do nothing, and that seems to be the path. Of okay. Thank you, panel. Time for new rules. New rules.
2: <laughs> okay. New rules. Someone has to tell me why the harder it is to get an abortion in a state, the more likely it is that the state brags about its hot sauce. <laughs> As if anyone cares about who has the hottest sauce. It's Louisiana, obviously. Or else it wouldn't look like an exploded toilet. New Roll, no message gets more powerful when you paint it on your car. It's a mini-man, not a wishing well. You'll never hear, well, it's on a Honda Odyssey, it must be true. You'll just hear, that's okay, Mom, I'll walk. (laughs) New rule: your barbecue tools don't need an attache case. (laughs) It's a spatula, not a sniper rifle. This doesn't say, howdy, neighbor, welcome to the party. It says, salam alaikum, welcome to the Saudi embassy. Nero, someone must get me the initial sales figures for...
5: <laughs>
2: Gito, the new jeans Speedo, so I know whether or not to start a new dating website called GayFarmersOnly.com. <laughs> Nero, now that Utah is drafting a rule that says cops can't masturbate in their cars... They have to tell us, how did this issue come up? (laughs) I always wondered what was taking so long when they went back to their car with my driver's license. (laughs) And finally, new rule, and this one goes out to all the new college grads, you don't need to get a sheepskin You need to get a thick skin. This year marks the first graduating class of Generation Z, the first generation to grow up on cell phones and iPads, devices which many have said parents use as pacifiers. Now, in another era, parents used actual pacifiers, and when one fell on the floor, they'd pick it up and stick it right back in your mouth. (laughs) I'm no doctor, so I don't know what that does to a kid's immune system, but I do know this. We didn't all have peanut allergies. (laughs) If millennials were the generation with helicopter parents who hovered over them, Gen Z are the kids with bulldozer parents who don't just hover, but clear the way. Of all obstacles for their kids. And since Gen Z is such a special class, I thought they deserved a special commencement address. Alumni, legacy students, parents, grandparents, step-parents, third wives, and drunk (laughs) uncles. I know it's traditional at graduation, commencement ceremonies to break the ice with a joke. So here goes. A man walks into a bar. (laughs) Of course, it doesn't have to be a man. It absolutely could be a woman. But then who am I to write a joke about a female when I don't have first-hand experience of a woman's struggle? So a non-binary, non-gender-conforming humanoid walks into a bar and orders a drink, and the bartender says, you took too long, we closed 20 minutes ago. Well, I see that about 50% of you are texting, so I can tell already this will be somewhat pointless. But it is my job as your graduation speaker to tell you that you're a very special group of young people and the future belongs to you. But let's not kid ourselves. You're not that special, and the future belongs to China and our robot (laughs) overseers. But, okay, okay, all right. Let me see if I can fake it. You're the smartest, you're the best, and thanks to that photography degree you now have, you're going to change the world. (laughs) Now, I want you to look in the gallery today and find your two best friends, Mom and Dad. They're the ones who worked and sacrificed to scrape together the half a million in bribes (laughs) needed to get you into this $1,000 a year keg party they call a college. And parents, I'm here today to tell you that the results of your parenting have been incredible. For the pharmaceutical industry. (laughs) Because these kids are fucked up and need drugs. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They need drugs for the crushing levels of anxiety they have. Brought on by the knowledge that after the way you pampered and spoiled them, life is going to crush them like the white kid in a spelling bee. (laughs) Hey. I'm just trying to be your friend, which is someone who tells you the truth. And the truth is, the world is unfair. It's not like college. It's like the electoral college. (laughs) And, and you kids, you're about to enter freshman year of life. And that can be very unsettling, much like the slap in the face that your parents should have given you the first time you swore at them. But they didn't. They didn't. And so you became the hey, buddy generation. Hey, buddy. Could you put your shoes on? Hey, buddy. Could you get in the car but in real life not everyone is your fucking buddy and that's why you're fucked no i mean really fucked because no one ever told you no or you're wrong or you're in the way or that's not good enough or wait So you think the whole world is supposed to be your safe space where everything is wonderful and nobody even gets their feelings hurt. Well, kids, I have some very bad news for you. Mr. Rogers is dead. (laughs) And so, new graduates, as you look back at where you've been and where you're about to go, I want you to turn to your parents and take this opportunity to tell them. Thank you. Thank you for murdering any chance I had of actually making it in the real world. Thank you for covering the walls of my childhood room with fake certificates and fade-up bullshit like third-grade gym superstar and most improved finger painter and world champion paste eater. Thank you for trophies I got for just showing up. Thank you for the temper tantrums you let me throw in the cereal aisle. Thank you for bitching out every teacher who ever gave me a B instead of an A, even though I really deserved a C. (laughs) And thank you for teaching me that any thought, word, or action or feelings I had was unfair, which didn't make me a liberal, it made me Donald Trump. All right. That's our show. I'll be at the DeVos Performing Hall in Grand Rapids, Michigan, June 23rd at the Washington Pavilion in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, August 18th. I want to thank Clint Charles Blow, Kenny Porter, Brett Easton Ellis, and Andrew Yang. Stay tuned for Overtime on YouTube. Thank you, folks.
0: Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10 or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more information, log on to HBO.com.